What is up, everybody? Welcome to Recruiting is No Joke. I'm your host, Joel Algie, and we got a really exciting guest today. But before we um, before we get into things here, this is round two for anyone who was here last week and uh, could see some of the technical difficulties we're having. So I just want to know who is out there. Let me know if you're out there. Get into the chat. We want to know um, what agency you're with, what company you're with, what your position is. Say hi to us. And, uh, and then if you guys have questions, too, for our guests, let me know in the chat and we will uh, we'll get to those questions. So without further ado, uh, Scott, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Give us uh, kind of your background and how you got started in recruitment and, uh, and we'll get the conversation going here. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. Um, for the second you, time. <laughs> I yeah. said for the second time. Yeah. You know, it happens. Technology yeah, lets us down, but here we go. Um, so let's say I've been tech recruiting for a little over 10 years, um, started an agency, went in-house, did some big company, did some big tech, and then uh, recently went to a startup. So totally sort of a, a smattering of, of backgrounds there. Uh, how did I get into recruiting? Yeah, I mean, it's in vogue now, but back, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't. It was like right next to the booth for enterprise store manager. It's like, hey, you want to do this? You want to want to come recruit? Um, so I actually I came in through a weird side door. I came in through assessments, like okay. personality tests. So I got which this, which yeah. which one in particular? So started with Strength Finders 2.0. Yeah, I had this job right out of college at a nonprofit. I found myself managing a team. I had no idea what I was doing. Somebody recommended, they said, give the team the strength finders and see if that helps you manage and get to another team. Okay, loved it. Felt like it was really useful. Um, got into like discs, got into Myers-Briggs, got into sort of the other side of assessments, which is more like cognitive measurement. So Johnson O'Connor, right? More of these aptitude tests that are like time boxed and there's like a proctor walking around. And tried to figure out like, could you make money off of this? And realized like, no, you can't. Um, it's sort of like this thing that people bolt on the coaching or uh, business consulting. Um, but I really liked the idea of helping people figure out, you know, what they should study in college. They're halfway into a career and they don't like it. What should they do? Like all of these sort of questions that people wrestle with. And typically it's like, well, what does your mom and them think? But this was a way to sort of supplement that conversation with, well, what does science suggest? Not that mm -hmm. it's like empirical, but it can at least round out the conversation, so to speak. So I got really deep into it, did a lot of research, really wanted to help people. There was a gentleman that I knew that was a very successful recruiter, uh, corporate in-house. He hung his own shingle. He was making a lot of money. And he said to me, you know, why don't you come and work for me and I'll teach you recruiting. It's not exactly helping people with an assessment test, but it's also a lot better than sort of the IT project management I was doing before. He was like, it's a lot closer. And I was like, let's do it. So, so, were you, so you were administering the, the assessments or you were selling the assessments? What, what were you doing within the assessments? No, so I'll give you an example. So, um, I knew two business consultants that were very successful. They went into this organization. They knew that I was spending a lot of time with assessment tests and helping people. They had these two co-founders of the company that <clears throat> they were trying to basically help their relationship, which was ultimately um, affecting the business. And so they asked me to come in, come in, give both of the founders an assessment, and then explain each of the founders to each other but then explain the other one to the other one in the hopes that their relationship could get better. Um, I must have met with a thousand people, Joel, or either strength finders or Myers-Briggs, people who were trying to figure out what should I study in college? Or like I said, I, I was doing this accounting thing for 10 years. I'm miserable. You know, I heard you like to read people's assessments and then help kind of tease out this conversation. And at the time I wasn't in recruiting. I don't have any sort of certifications for Myers-Briggs coaching or StrengthFinder 2.0 coaching. None of that. It just was like a passion side project. And word got out that I like to do that. Um, and But eventually that led to me, you know, becoming a professional talent acquisition 
but yep and you and you started off obviously on the agency side kind of running a full desk tech recruiting talk to us a little bit about that because i mean this was this is a i mean what are we talking 10 years ago so yeah. i mean obviously things have changed since then i mean was it kind of traditional hit the phone <laughs> generate up the business so maybe what, maybe email was brand new on the scene who knows i so i started that way i thought recruiting was hey you like know all these people and then you go find jobs for them and then i quickly realized like no somebody gives you a job and then you go scour the earth until you find somebody for that job and you don't stop until it's done well and, and i talk about that myth all the time right where that's the most common thing we get as recruiters help me find a job. Can you help me find a job? And it's almost like going to a bank and asking them like, Hey, can you help me out with your finance? My finances? It's like, no, we'll help you get a loan and you can pay for it. <laughs> but it's kind of that similar idea where I grew up thinking like a bank was like there to help me. Obviously there's times where recruiters do help. Don't get me wrong. And there's recruiters that can that do career coaching and things like that. But we can usually only help if it's a position that we're looking to fill in the moment or it's within our you know, skill set. Yeah, absolutely. I think the general advice that I end up helping people with is more like, how do I negotiate offers? Or, hey, I'm trying to get into this field. Like, how would you approach it? And so I give them sort of like, work your, would you work your network? Maybe go to some event. Like, I give very general advice. Um, yeah. I have friends who are like software engineers, but honestly, I try not to be that guy. That's like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, how's it? By the way, I got this new gig. <laughs> Let me tell you about us. Like I, uh, I try not to do that. But you're right. Like we don't, we can't typically help people find a job. Um, what like, do you, what do you think that? I mean, I have, I heard back in the day, like agency recruiters actually would help people find jobs, and then it actually charged the job seeker money once they got the placement, and then they switched it up to go realizing, hey, job seekers don't really have that much money. Right. Why don't we charge companies instead to find them the talent? But I guess anywhere else you think that that could have even just come from or like why you think that with all of the information that's out there about recruiting that people still kind of think. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Bright Hire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore. And my friends at Bright Hire are here to help. BrightHire is a leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process, improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, Visit brighthired.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. I, maybe back before the internet and it was really easy to figure out where, who was hiring what and where, you know, maybe you had sort of this information chokehold on, I know these certain people, I know these certain places are hires, but they can't advertise or something. Maybe it was something like that. Yeah. Well, hey, look, we got we've got some people in the audience. So let's just take a second here. I want to just welcome people. We have, oh man, I don't even want to get in the last time. But we got Odane, Jerol, Vanessa. Good to see you, Heather, Carlene, Mark, Amy, uh, Christy, Jennifer, Yasmin, Serene, Roseanne, Lakeisha, Ryan, Apurva. So guys, if you're if you're here right now, look, Scott is somebody who's got. We're gonna get into his story and and kind of his journey in recruiting. But if you have questions on how to get into tech questions around like how to do, you know, tech recruiting better, like how to, how to really represent a brand that um, obviously he's got experience working with like Netflix and right now with a startup, which isn't as well known, but if you've got questions or comments, definitely get to him. I, I really want to uh, be able to, to you know, have some valuable questions here as well. So uh, take this opportunity to ask Scott anything that you have, any questions. I know, I know there's a lot of new recruiters out there. So so you're in it. You're in the agency for for a year. What? And I asked you this before in the last broadcast. But what made you then go? Okay, agency, great, making some money. Now I need to go internal. Was it just that kind of like passion that you have for for kind of like seeing where people fit in organizations from the survey days? I think I realized that agency. I was only as good as the rec and the company I was recruiting for. Right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't someone who could just 
sling calls and sling opportunities and just, you know, the proverbial sell ice to an Eskimo. That's not me. I had to really believe in what was going on. And, um, you know, I told this one last time, but I think it's worth repeating. Like I had this job at a big box, you know, Costco of, of wine and beer, and it was a network engineering job. And I was really excited because I knew the brand and I thought, oh, there's nice fringe benefits and all this other stuff. And the hiring manager, I met with him. I said, you know, what's the budget? What do you want this role to do? You know, do you want to upgrade the infrastructure and do something? And he was like, absolutely not. I want to keep this thing that's running on duct tape, barely alive. I don't want to invest another dollar. You know, I just need this person to know how to keep it going without costing me anything extra. And I just remember thinking like, what, how am I supposed to position this? How am I supposed to go find somebody where, you know, the the narrative of their life and the narrative of this company and what's going on and what they're trying to do. How am I going to find somebody where those two actually dovetail? Yeah. Because this doesn't seem like a great job and who would possibly want this? Yeah. So that's what, well, and it, it's hard to package that too. If you're dealing, you know, you're dealing with a candidate and you're getting them excited about a position. What's the pitch there? Um, it happens a lot on the on the agency side, right? I mean, it just you, you kind of there are times that you you have to work the jobs that, I mean, you know, they're not the most desirable jobs. Probably why they may be working with an agency, um, and and it's a tough place, especially if you're starting in the industry, you know, and you're excited about it. Tell me about your culture. Like, <laughs> find me somebody. I don't care about that, you know. Right. I, well, yeah. and you you're trading you're trading that sense of like meaningful work and being proud and having an evp that just kind of shouts to the candidate without you actually having to sell in it you trade that for the potential to make oodles and oodles of money and i get that uh there were some people working at his agency you know making six seven figures and it was like that's great but i i just i knew that wasn't me and so i started to look for corporate opportunities i got super lucky and landed GE was like a client at first for six months, placed a couple of people with them. And then they came back and asked me to come in house uh, on a contract basis. Man, how, how valuable has that first, you know, like even just that year in agency, like how valuable has that been just throughout your career? Because I get a lot of people, and I think we even had this question, like how do I get into, you know, recruiting? It comes up all the time. And I always say agency, lower barrier, barrier to entry, It'll give you a good feeling of like what recruiting is like. You get some of the basic conversations. You get to map out organizations. But I guess just looking back, obviously at your time at GE and 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 Netflix, like how often did you go back to like the agency days and the, that mindset, like in in these internal roles? At the agency, I learned that it's a tonnage. It's a game of tonnage, right? Jerry Seinfeld has this quote about comedy and how, you know, basically he writes a couple hours a day, but he doesn't skip a day. And he just, and it's a game of tonnage. You just keep putting in the work, keep putting in the work. That's the same thing recruiting. That's what I learned. You know, you're grinding out, you're trying to get two submittals. That means you need to make X amount of calls. That means you, mean you need to do X amount of research, reach outs. And that's the only thing you can control, right? You can control the top of the funnel and then everything else you can do a little bit of here and there, but that's the thing that has the most material impact to the whole rest of the funnel. And you know, some people look at that as a grind. I don't particularly love like the very top end of it. What I really loved, and I realized this at agency, was the meat and potatoes of recruiting is just this, right? You're chit-chatting with somebody, getting to know them, right? Like, I could do that all day. I love that. So I figured out those two components, that it's a game of tonnage, and the, the heart and soul of it is just getting to know people. And yeah. that kind of gave me a sense of like, yeah, I could do this. So... I go back. Well, Vanessa's got a question here too. And uh, she just said, Scott, give us I mean, three tips to transition from sales to recruiting. But I guess, you know, it doesn't have to be three, but like, it's, it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of people kind of think when they think of agency recruiting, obviously it's, it is a sales oh, game. Oh, recruiting is sales. Recruiting okay, is sales. Okay. So you're on board that recruiting is, is you've got to be sales minded. But, but like, let's dig into that because a lot of times people think sales is like, you know, gift of the gab. But I mean, obviously, like, to me, it's like, you got to really be able to listen in here and then understand the business on the back end. So it's kind of, I would consider it more, I don't know, consulting, you know, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Or like, if you were in sales, how would you recruit 
how would you transition into recruiting? So I, I got a chance at a, at a startup now, like you get to see a lot more. So I'd never seen anybody in a sales department really do their workflow. And I watched uh, one of these folks in my organization kind of like go through their work. And I was asking a bunch of questions and he was using sales navigator and I was looking at everything and I was like, dude, you're basically building a Boolean string, yeah. slurping in profiles and then sequencing reach outs and then putting them on drip campaigns and then getting them on the phone as, as quickly as you can and giving them basically your EVP. I was like, this is a sales job. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're recruiting right now. It's just, they call it sales navigator versus recruiter. But the Very main, similar on there. But, but the, I think the core- Just a lot cheaper. Of, sales navigator is way cheaper than is it? recruiter. Okay. It's, 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 like a fr it's like a tenth of the cost. You get less in-mails. Uh, yeah. but I mean, you better keep your voice down, man. LinkedIn, yeah, it's, it's all right. LinkedIn, LinkedIn knows that I like to mock LinkedIn. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, so like, okay, let's say Vanessa's in sales. Like, how would you right. like, you know, you want to break in, would you just go down the agency route? I mean, is that the easiest way or like what I would go to either, way? I would go to some recruiting opportunity, figure out if you want to go corporate or figure out if you want to go to agency. And then it's the second you get in front of somebody who's a manager or who has experience in that recruiting department or in as a recruiting professional, you just start talking them through what you used to do in sales. And it'll take that person 0.2 seconds to realize that you're basically been doing the job of a recruiter um, in terms of that prospecting, researching, organizing yourself to to automate reach outs and then get people on the phone and say what you need to say or ask the questions you need to ask to qualify that lead. It's almost identical. I think what you were kind of getting at is almost like on the back end, it's a little different, right? right. On the back end, your salesmanship is going to be a little bit more coercion and overcoming objections versus candidates. You know, I know there's different philosophies on this, but I like the philosophy of I need to tell my candidate every single thing it is. Yeah. like what it's going to be like to work here, the degree of knowledge I have, like if you go with that team, what it's going to be like working on that other company and make sure I give them all the information and then let them make the choice. Um, if I so you're not, you're not one of the old school, well, I shouldn't say old school because it's plenty alive, but I'm, but you know, like the, I don't know. It's, 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 you've got to influence people to a certain degree, but like, it's also balancing the transparency influence. And then like, obviously like you gotta look out for, you gotta look out for people, man. You're like, how can you sleep at night if you're placing people into like terrible roles? Dude, I uh, saw people say and do whatever they had to say or do to get the deal done. And that wasn't me. Like maybe other people can be successful that way. I just know who I am. I can't be successful that way. So. And, and I, I think too, like, I think, with this, with sales too, I mean, depending on what you're selling, obviously, I mean, everything is relationships, obviously, but like if you're selling a product, selling a product is very different to placing somebody in a role, like the elements of salesmanship in both. But yeah, you know, you, you're looking at like, you know, how to, how to personalities, visions align, missions align, like timing yeah. is, is huge. Like, you know, somebody who's having a, like, you know, like a, a kid next month isn't necessarily going to want to make a job switch in their life. Whereas like a product, I mean, you know, you never, it, but it gets similar with a product. You don't know when people need it. Um, what about somebody this question? I, somebody I heard once said, they said, uh, recruiting is, is a, the only sales job where what you're selling can actually say no. <laughs> so it's, like if I sell true. you a car, like the car's going home with you, but like if you're the hiring manager and I say you're a candidate and the candidate's oh, like, man. I don't know if I like Joel. Well, the, the, <laughs> the candidate's like, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, I think that's the complexity. And that's why, I mean, that's why I love creating the content that I do a lot of the times, because obviously I'm an agency. So I've worked with some, you know, hiring managers, uh, even though I'm even more in sales now, but even when I was working with hiring managers, like I do, the struggle internal has to be insane with just like people switching their minds or like, let's go another direction or, you know, it's just, it's so unpredictable. And I think that's the part that people don't see all the time, which is why, you know, I, I try to create the content I do, but Shelly's asking this question. And I get this question a lot and I'd be curious to get your take because take, you've been in the tech world. You've worked for Netflix, you've worked with GE Digital, you've worked, obviously you're working at a startup right now, leading talent. Um, she's asking a question about like switching from healthcare to tech. But like, I would say like, what what's like the strategy that you would give somebody in like just breaking into tech? Because there's so many recruiters that want to break into tech. And, and right now, do you think it's worth making that switch? 
uh, just given kind of how the tech market is, like, what are, what are your thoughts? And then, and then follow up. What do you, what do you say when people are like, well, I can recruit anything? Yeah. So I think first, first thing I'd say is you got to know what you're asking for. So tech recruiting um, is, is hard. It's just hard. Right. And that's why tech recruiters typically are, are paid a little bit more. Um, but there's also there's a lot more involuntary churn on tech recruiting because it's so it's just so difficult. And OK, so why is it difficult? Well, I think that's just the reality of the world we live in. Software has been eating the world and it's still hungry, like software gigs and technology gigs are not going anywhere. Um, and most companies that are big companies that aren't doing tech are figuring out how to slide into tech. Yeah. And the most profitable companies, you know, that we've seen are the ones making just crazy profits are tech companies. And so I, I know we're in a bit of a downturn and I know like t recruiting was hot for a while and it's cold and hot and all this other stuff. But I think tech recruiting is still a good spot to be in because I think it will always be necessary. In terms of breaking into it, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> hey, really, at least you're honest. At least you're honest about well, it. Well, because what, you know, how did I land up in tech recruiting versus oil and gas? I did. I just so happened the first gig I had was a tech one. And then. Well, well how, how do you think if you're looking at like, you've obviously worked with a lot of tech recruiters, like, and because and, I hear there's a lot of burnout, burnout just in general with, with like tech recruiting, because, you know, it's like a lot of conversations like you don't get a lot of time with candidates there's you know borderline no respect for recruiters within the tech world all you got to do is go on reddit to see that yeah. like how do you how do you, how would you say like somebody should try and figure out like you kind of alluded to it like you don't know what you're asking for but what are some of those questions you should be asking aside oh. looking at like social media and what social media says <laughs> because that's you know you go on TikTok, everybody's telling you to get an attack and right all right so here here's a good acid test i think People ask me all the time, like, how do you talk to these engineers all day? <laughs> right? They're like, how do you, you talk, I talk to software engineers all day long, a couple of them a day. And they're like, how do you do that? And I was like, I actually don't mind it. So maybe that's a good acid test for you. Like if you're naturally curious enough or you don't mind having those kind of conversations, uh, you know, because they're not, sure, whatever. I'm, I'm, Were you passionate about tech before you got into tech recruiting? I, I wasn't but okay. I'm just a naturally curious person. So you could, you could sit me next to like the world's greatest crocheter. I don't know anything about crochet. I've never been curious about crochet, but all of a sudden now I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. Why? Because I'm just curious and you're a subject matter expert. And one of the, my early recruiting managers taught me like, don't be afraid of saying to a candidate, I don't understand. How does that work? What yeah. does Pearl do? What is the cloud? What does CICD stand for? These, Hey, they love to explain this stuff. And the expertise that you need, in my opinion, to be an effective recruiter is, is you need two things as a recruiter. You stand on the leg of the art and craft of recruiting, which is offers and sourcing and how to ask hard questions and all that other stuff. And then the other leg you stand on is your understanding of the industry that you recruit in. Career ladders, different roles, different pay, different progression. You know, by now this person should be a X, Y, Z. Why? Because I know the industry inside and out, let alone all the different tech components. You know how many different flavors of a software engineer there is? I mean, at least 20. And so your hiring manager is looking for this one and you're over there, you know, giving them something totally different and, and, and you're just wasting time. Um, so, you know, I think if you're naturally curious, you'll, you'll collect that information over you. And it takes a couple of years, I think, to kind of sort out tech, um to really be which, which again i think a lot of people i mean i was recruiting recruiters last year and a lot of times uh, something that people would often say is well you know if you can recruit one person you can recruit anybody and i think like to me i just don't buy that because like for example like i can just go and recruit accounting and finance could i figure it out sure but like am i gonna because the other side that people don't talk about a lot that's that's the finding the candidates but there's a whole other side of it called influencing the business and so if you're going to sit down with a business leader that you're working for to hire them talent, you've got to be able to hold some sort of conversation because you're going to, at the end of the day, probably have to influence them in, hey, this is the candidate that you need to go with. And if they instinctively know that you don't know what you're talking about, then you just made your job a thousand percent harder. And you, and 
if you're going to kick off a search, you've got to have those conversations. So yeah. that's to me, like the recruiting side. Yeah, sure. You probably could find people because you can just map out an organization, look at titles and have a pretty good idea of whether or not they're a fit. But it's the, it's the other side, man. It's the consulting. Like you got to be, you got to be able to hold a conversation and with it, with a hiring leader. If, if yeah. you know what I'm saying. I could, I could definitely see it. There were a couple of examples I saw at Netflix where there was some, um, there was some needs outside of the tech recruiting and a couple of the, like the really badass tech recruiters switched over to like recruiting for lawyers and it took them like a quarter or so, but they, they crushed it. So I think, I think it just depends on the innate abilities of that recruiter, how long they've been recruiting. And then what difficulty are we talking about here? You know, I think going from accounting to tech would be really hard. I think going from tech to accounting, it's just a little bit more standardized in terms of job titles, job careers, right? There's a lot more accountants in the world. So I think all those things matter when you're talking about a recruiter trying to switch domains. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. And I, you know, I liked how you said that like you don't have the formula for it either because I think a lot of people are searching for these formulas into things and that's that's look there's like things that you can do even with networking like networking is a great thing to do because you're expanding who you know and that's going to open up opportunities but it, it if you're doing it as like a hack or some sort of like i don't know like a silver bullet to get something you're not necessarily thinking about it the right the right way either and it's like sometimes it's you know it's like it's having a lot of conversations and being being curious building those relationships but even that, it doesn't guarantee that, you know, we're having this conversation right now. It doesn't guarantee anything, you know, but there's value in the conversation as well. And I think that that's where, um, yeah, I think that's where the challenge is. And, and I think if you're making any kind of switch in your career, whether it's something in recruiting, you're looking to get into recruiting, you're looking to get into sales, it's a hard place to be. And one thing is for sure, you're just going to have to be persistent and try a lot of different things and be willing to know that it's tough to switch into something new because there's always 10 people who have more experience that are probably gonna are gonna be do, you know probably get in there uh quicker so so curious too you've been in netflix or so you're at netflix for for two years and we talked about this a little bit last time but why don't you just like i'd love to just hear like from a recruitment standpoint like what you were working on um you know what what some of those challenges were and like you know, and obviously Netflix, the caliber is high there for, for talent. So how did you like manage that? Hey, we got to bring the best talent. You know, these are hard hiring managers to impress here. Like, how, yeah. you know, how was that? Um, well, I'll just say for me personally, it was amazing to figure out how everybody really was really excellent over mm. there, right? I felt like up until that point in my career, you know, there'd be like a project afoot and there'd be 10 people in a room to work on the project. And a really big part of my job was to figure out, okay, who in this room actually knows what they're talking about and who doesn't? Because when we go to chop up this work, somebody's gonna get a bunch of work that somebody else is gonna do. So I need to know what's going on. Okay. Well, eventually at Netflix, the guy realized like I didn't have to play that game anymore. Like everybody was awesome. It didn't matter their role, didn't matter their seniority. It just kind of became the default setting that people were dope and they got it. And there was this culture of like everything that we do, we try to do it ex the, the, the most excellent level we can. Relocating candidates, throwing a party in the parking lot, doing a team offsite, like D, all of the above. Um, so that was, that was cool. Um, for I just a lot of people. Say, like, how do you think like a culture gets to, to that point? Like what, I mean, like how, just from what like you experienced, like, is it just having like a lot of conversations around culture or is it deeper than that? I just, I'm just curious. I mean, that culture document years and years ago, like it found me, I was just a son of new Orleans, you know, doing a little recruiting something. How did I read a slide deck from an HR presentation five years ago? Like how, how does, how does that even happen? Well, it happens because there's something in that deck hit the zeitgeist. So I, I think that has something to do with it. You know, if you've got that sort of touchstone and it resonates at this deep level and then you just keep every day building sort of the the institution with that in mind. And that's my best guess. How, how about with like vetting people? Because like, you know, when I think about like interviewing a lot of times, right, like 
and I've just made a series on TikTok ripping on the dumbest questions people ask in interviews. But like, you know, you got that question, like, why do you want to work with us, right? And for most companies, like they're asking that because they want people to have done research. I feel like a lot of people just fabricate things. But, yeah. you know, with a company like Netflix, like people genuinely want to work there and they're working extremely hard in interviews to get in. So like as a recruiter, like how do you, <laughs> okay. how do you cut out when everyone's got the perfect answers for you? you All know? right, so this is the other weird thing about Netflix. Not weird, but like, totally different. So my job was basically to say no to people. Um, so what mm. I mean by that is I felt like up until that point, I was a recruiter. I was talent acquisition. I was going out, I was building pipelines. I was getting people excited. I was shepherding them through the process and I was trying to, you know, produce good results for my business, right? That was my job. Uh, Netflix, that was like a little bit of my job. But then the other part was to be what I called like this guardian of talent and culture, right? So mm. what does that mean? Well, for instance, I sat on the on-site interviews as a recruiter for software engineering candidates that I had put in the funnel. And I'm like, why am I on this panel? Like, what am I supposed to judge and then say yes or no to? And it was something like, are they high talent? Do they have the talent density to roll with us and do they want to work the way we want to work which is like culture fit but at netflix it was something like are they open to feedback are they collaborative right uh do they want to move fast like something like that uh do they have good judgment so you know that was just so different um all of a sudden i mean i wasn't just saying yes to everybody and filling up the pipe and like trying to like sell to my hiring manager like oh no these people you know whatever like no it was i'd sit on the phone or i'd sit in the interview and i'd just be like i don't i don't think this person is sharp enough or more often than not like i don't think this person has a growth mindset i don't think they're going to mm -hmm. like hearing any feedback from anybody or i don't think this person's going to be really collaborative like they're they're a great engineer they build some amazing things they make more money than they know what to do with but in this context like it's going to be kind of their way or the highway and they're not a good fit. So I was just, I was jam I had a little no button. I was just jamming it all day. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Man, everyone is like, man, this is why I hate recruiters. Just hearing <laughs> <more than that." laughs> but, but no, but I mean, but that, it's such a switch, right? Because it's like, yes. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, you know, you, you're an agency or you're at, working at a company where you are having to fill up the pipeline. Like, you're getting no all day. But, you know, the moment you switch that job title to, Recruiter at LinkedIn, recruiter at Netflix, recruiter at Amazon, recruiter at wherever, Meta maybe, because not a lot of people want to work there, just kidding. But you, you you have a big name on on your resume and you're a recruiter. You are getting so many messages thrown at you. You're having to deal with so many applicants. So then it's like a whole different, whole different challenge, you know? And even yeah. from like, I think with recruiting, like you get so used to selling an organization it's like it's a different there's a different element which i think some people might go hey well that makes the job easier but it's like well no it just makes a whole bunch of other challenges and then you, i think there's more pressure because of that like when you work an agency you find a candidate and they've been looking for you know three four weeks and haven't found anyone you find them the candidate they're generally happy but when you've got lots of candidates then the bar goes up higher so you've yeah. got to make sure your judgment is right on you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a different pressure. I think, and I think too, there's different styles of recruiters and sourcers, right? You and I have been doing this long enough. Like, you know, there's, there's more than one way to skin the cat. And I think some people, they like that. Some people want to ask a couple of questions and then read in between the lines and figure out the emotional intelligence and in, inherent values and motivations of that person. Mm -hmm. Some people, they don't want to do all that. They want to create the, the craziest bullying string ever and go, find people that are trying to, you know, take their name and chop it up with all kind of weird characters so that nobody could ever find them. But like that sorcerer, that recruiter's approach is to go find those people that want to just, go, just go on Reddit. That's all I ever say now. Have <laughs> Reddit? You checked Reddit? That's your that's your that's your hack. That's no, nah, I know. Just make fun of if you make fun of recruiters, I was telling someone else, like I, you know, there's sometimes when I'll make fun of recruiters and you know, whatever. But those some of those posts when you look at who's viewed the post, second most viewed viewership is from software engineers. Oh, Isn't that really? crazy? Yeah. So I was like, hey, the hack is just, you know, make fun of recruiters and you'll get the software engineers oh, going, okay. going with you. Uh, I got it. 
Hey, David's got a quick question here too, and I'm curious in your take on this, and then I want to switch to like your what you're doing right now as well and how that compares to, uh, to Netflix. But uh, is it what's more important, sales ability, relationship building in recruitment, do you think? And we kind of touched upon this, but I don't know if we got like a kind of a final answer. And someone else said, they said relationship, but what, what's your take on this? So my, this is more about, my, I guess, my philosophy. So this is what works for me. I try and be bulletproof relationally and bulletproof operationally as a recruiter. And this has been the kind of philosophy that serves me. So operationally, I don't want to be the bottleneck. I don't want to slow anything down. You know, if I need to make a call at eight o'clock at night, you know, it's, and it's an offer call, like I'll do that. I don't ever want to be slowing anything up. Okay. Relationally. Um, I think on my LinkedIn profile, my little tag or summary just says, put in the work. And yeah. Thanks for that too. It was really great when I was doing your, your introduction for this post. <laughs> I, had, well, I, had to, I had to put something on there and then I was like, usually people have like a little bit of an introduction. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> that made you work a little bit, Joe. Come on, man. Uh, it's true. It's you true. can't just be memeing all day long. Every now and then you actually have to type something out. Come on, it's man. It's true. It's true. <laughs> no, I love I love that. Why, break that down more. I want to know more about yeah. that. Okay, so put in the work and do right by people, which is tied to be bulletproof relationally. Hmm. Okay, recruiting is a it's a team sport. I got talent coordinators. I got hiring managers. I got the VP that runs the entire organization. I got a comp and Ben's department. I got an HR person, right? I got a sourcer, right? There's all of these different people involved in it, not to, not to mention the candidate, right? So as much as I can, spending time to invest in the relationships, either asking questions or asking for input or um, getting people pulling people into I was surprised like how sometimes you know I'd make a placement and I'd swing by the coordinator because I know the coordinator you know I had to fly this person in from New York and had all these things and I'd just be like hey high five so and so accepted and they would be like oh thank you like yeah that's cool and then mm -hmm. eventually I realized like well you know some people weren't doing that and so I'm like no are you kidding me like if they didn't do their job and crush it like we may not have won this candidate right like what they're doing is touching the candidate and it's it, it's an extension of what this company represents and how we work. And they probably talk to the coordinator more than they talk to me. So like, you know, yes, you're a part of the team. Thanks. Um, but, mm. you know, sometimes you got to do right by the candidate. Sometimes it's I don't feel comfortable making this offer. I, I think this is a shit offer. Right. Like I've, I've said that, too. So it kind of changes who you're doing right by in the moment. But I think relationship building amongst all the stakeholders, amongst all the candidates is a right approach to go versus just being able to sell and sort of overcome objections and motivate people to, to do the decision you want. Now, again, this is my style. And this no, is my no, man, I, I, I love it. And I think, you know, I mean, David here, too, who he's over at uh, TikTok right now. He just said, I personally agree. Definitely both important with tandem and obviously there's a salesmanship to it, but that's building that relationship. And, you know, I remember a great post from a friend of mine a couple of years ago where he was just like, you know, it's like a, a good recruiter will like sell the job and like a great recruiter will, will say when the job's not right. And it's like, that's the whole idea, right? Like if you tell, if you do right by somebody right now, then five years from now, they're going to come back to you 10 years from now. And then that reputation gets out. You do the opposite. It just doesn't help anybody. And, uh, but there's always that pressure. There's a pressure to sell. And I know hiring managers will sometimes say things like do whatever it takes. But it's like at the end of the day, if you do do whatever it takes, then just know the consequence of that. You know, what, what happens three months, six months down the line? Like how everybody loses. Everybody yeah. loses in that scenario. The candidate 100%. loses. The hiring manager loses. The recruiter loses. If people get there under some sort of false pretense and they get the, and it's not really what they expected and it's not working. The whole thing is done. And and so, you know, and, and I, even in, in that, it sounds a little self-serving, but it's just not right, right? Like I'm doing these things right now where, you know, joining an early stage startup is a high risk exercise, okay? Yeah, and talk so, to us about this. I'm, I'm curious, man. Yeah, I know, so I've uh, got my engineers. Uh, so I've got these candidates and we have a very fast process, okay? But let's say we like a candidate. Well, I set up a meet and greet is what I call it with a couple of our engineers so that, you know, with no pressure, no questions. It's just an opportunity for an engineering candidate to talk with our engineers. And you know which engineer I always put on those meet and greets? 
the the most opinionated, uh, <laughs> lippy, you know, kind of kind of curmudgeon-y at times, but also yeah. jovial and nice. But like, yeah. and and sometimes I'll join the meet and greets, and he'll be like, "I'm I'm sorry, Scott. Should I should I not?" I was like, "No, I want you on there giving the gritty answers because the worst thing that could happen is this person gets here and they don't understand yeah. all of the complexity of this particular startup. So please keep being truthful." Keep being honest. Uh, don't be sort of pop, popping it up. Like, let them know how it is. I mean, it's a, it's a, when I think about this, it's a huge thing because, I mean, it's, honestly, it's the same with like employer branding. You know, like people like fabricate this career video or like this thing, you know, and it's like, hey, our culture is blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I've never heard of a company be like, yeah, our culture needs some work. Or like, hey, we've got leadership issues. Like, no one says that, but you know it's true. <laughs> and then you saw the people get there, and they're like, "What, man? I thought it was like work-life balance." Like, dude, if you don't have good work-life balance, or you've got people working a lot of hours, and and that's how you're running your business, then that's how you're running your business. Say that because there's nothing worse than lying. And then, hey, we got unlimited PTO, but you know, no one ever takes more than a day, so it's right. useless. But we offer it, but no one right. takes it. But right. it's like better to just be honest about that. Are you gonna? get influx of candidates on that no but you know what that's that's not necessarily the worst thing because the right candidates are going to come and go hey you know what i'm in a seasonal life where i can you know i'm i want to clock in this amount and um but it's like there's a pressure and again it's like we, we want to make things look really nice but if it's not the reality actually it's it's uh in the, it's long, not the best way to go right but in the long term if you're a recruiter that can like you're saying in that moment, do right by people, do right by the candidates, articulate. It'll have, I've seen it. I've seen it have its cumulative effect. And not just in my recruiting career, I've seen it in others. It's mm -hmm. almost like this shift of recruiting to a little bit more of a, um, of a virtue of trying to do the right thing while putting in the work. Cause you can't skip the sourcing. You can't skip all those initial calls. You can't skip responding to all the emails and all this other crazy stuff. But if you can try and do right by the different people in the system, it'll get around and you'll have an impact and you'll help the hiring manager understand that they can't, you know, have Cadillac taste with, with beer money and all this other stuff, champagne taste with beer money. You'll help a, a candidates understand like, you know, I don't think that's the best opportunity for you, right? Like you want X, Y, Z and Either we're doing that here or we're not doing that here, right? But that mm. sort of approach and that default setting, if you can do that, man, you, you'll be refreshing to candidates, but then you'll also generate sort of this continual work environment where things will be productive, things will be done right. You won't have somebody show up and be like, wait, what is, wait what's going on? I got to work mm. 60 hours a week wait, what's going on? This dev environment isn't set up and it takes me two weeks just to be able to push some code, right? Nobody said any of this and then the whole thing blows up. Yeah, back to square one. Well, look, Michael, he said, uh, this is kind of going back a little bit, but he just said, big responsibility of a recruiter is to keep people out of the company. No one ever thinks about this. Who you let in your organization or on your teams is the biggest decision hiring manager, recruiter, team owner can make. And, and look, it's tough because from a branding perspective, you know, like recruiters have a bad rap. We all know that, right? And so like, if we're then saying, hey, we're screening people out, but like, there is a lot of truth to that, you know, because it's like you you are, you wanted to bring the right people in, but it's, it's also like, you know, one of the things that's disturbing to me right now is there's a lot of these like hacks of like how to get past interviews. And it, it, it fundamentally lacks like an understanding of like what an interview is. Like you don't actually want to interview and like have some hacks to get past the interview and then land in a job that you're ultimately not going to be successful in. Like yeah. you actually want to go to an interview and be like, yeah. can I actually do this job? Like, do I have the ability? Have I done it? Whatever. Um, but it's, it, yeah. it, you know, what but, are your thoughts with that? But what, so, but what this presupposes is um, at, at Gordian, the startup I'm at, Gordian Software, the CEO believes that the key to our startup being successful is mostly dependent on talent density and culture fit. Not business strategy. We got a great business strategy. Not, you know, shipping, quote unquote, the right product, even though the product's got to be right. It's he's seeing the headwaters is we got to hire the right folks. And if we hire the wrong folks, this whole thing's going to go sideways. But if we hire the right folks and we keep ourselves focused on 
software for the airline industry, we can change this whole industry. Okay. So, I mean, it was the same thing at Netflix. I mean, read- it's like a different side of the, of, of like, it's a different side where you're like, Hey, we've got to kind of protect what we have. And so we, we you know, we've got to kind of like make sure that, that we're people bringing the right people in. But if you make a mistake in that element, like is one bad hire going to ruin Netflix? You know, probably not that time, but with where you're at, Hey, you make a couple of bad hires, it's going to cost a lot and it yeah. could actually stop what you're actually looking to do. So it's, it's almost yeah. like you got different pressure now, like Netflix, it's like, Hey, you better be bringing in like the caliber that we need. Mm-hmm. If you don't, what are you doing? And now, now it's like kind of the same thing, uh, but just like a different kind of like well, a different side but, of it almost. But now I get it. Like I get what the CEO is trying to do and people will ask me. So for instance, last quarter we interviewed 400 engineers and we made mm-hmm. three offers. Okay. And so wow. people on the team are coming to me because my job is to hire people. So they're coming to me like, are you frustrated? Like, is that that we say no to? And I was like, no, I believe it. I think he's right. Like, this is what we're trying to do here. And this is really important. And so I think, you know, the the other side of this, though, not to I'm not a, I'm not a, um, a head of HR or anything. You know, my my world has been talent acquisition. However, from my observation, if you want this high talent um, environment. You have to do a lot of work on the interview and screening side. But then when you get it wrong and people are in the environment that it's just not a good fit, then you need to be really sort of elegant and sophisticated with off ramps to make those decisions as humane as possible. Be generous, you know, and have it have a nice play that you're going to run and, you know, get people out um, that, you know, just aren't really a good fit. So I think I think you kind of need both. And Netflix had that, right? They had a really sophisticated, um, generous sort of backstop. Like, hey, if we get this wrong, we'll give feedback, we'll work with people. But like eventually, mm. if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. Man, I feel like there is a whole different conversation in yeah. than that, which is <laughs> which is uh, you know, which is great. But yeah, I love I love just love like the insight and the wisdom, but just also like you've seen obviously like both sides of of, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people have questions, you know, just even about like, you know, Netflix and, and what I'm curious and, and we'll kind of round up here in the next, next couple of minutes, but, um, you know, like, again, like a lot of recruiters, I have a lot of recruiters DMing me, asking me questions about some stuff. And a big, a big thing always is like, just startup, you know, like, oh, I want to work at a startup or I want to be head of talent at a startup, you know, <laughs> when, when you just like break it down, <laughs> just like, yeah. can I just share like, I'm not saying like the bad mouth where you're at, obviously, but just give us like a realistic yeah. picture of like what people are, you know, should be expecting or like what they could possibly expect or, you know, like what are some of the things you really need to think about before you make that, make a switch like that? Well, the first thing I'll say is I've never worked this hard in my life. I'm basically doing the job of a, a TC, a senior tech recruiter, a director of something or another. Like I'm, I'm scheduling finals, uh, even though I've tried to automate our process as much as I can. I'm creating comp bands. I'm doing interview training. You know, I'm sourcing. I'm hiring and firing agencies. I'm hiring and firing sourcers and recruiters. Like, it's just all over the place. So I think, you know, sort of this idea of an early stage startup is a lot of work, from my experience, is true. And it's a lot of, like, you're working on next month, but you don't quite have today solved for, which mm-hmm. is really strange, but it, it forces you to prioritize and it forces you to just move fast all the time. The other thing that I've noticed that's really unique is, you know, for instance, I was describing our CEO and founder, and he's got this really clear vision of culture and how um, culture fit and talent is really important. So he's interviewed every candidate. Right. And so and he used to do him or the other co-founder used to do the first interview and then they would both do the last interview. Okay, And so I came in and I was like, this is crazy. And so him and I have been partnering to sort of figure out, okay, how does this look in the future where the organization is growing and you're having to figure out not just who gets in, but like, who do you trust with what decisions? And that wasn't like I sent him an email and said, hey, I need you to stop doing initial screens now. This is his baby. 
this is his life. Like he's been cranking on this and giving everything to this. And like, he gets that this is so important. So like, it's been a journey to partner with him and sort of grow with him and kind of work together and collaborate and kind of, you know, almost like, okay, when you're ready, I think this would be really good. But like, when you, are you comfortable? What do we need to do? How do you want to train folks? Like, do you believe these people are ready? Like, I wasn't ready for all that. I'm used to hiring managers, you know, being like, all right, where's my candidates? Like, let's go, you know, put some points on the board. <laughs> um, uh, but that was unique, man. When you're partnering that deeply with folks because you're so early, it's a different level of talent partnership than I think I've experienced in the past. Yeah. No, and I think, um, yeah, I know Erin here too. She just said, uh, you can't move to chocolate and strawberry until you do vanilla well. And, you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> I, I think, I think one of the things that people don't think about is like how much like I've, I've talked to recruiters before we're like ah, i don't want to do any sourcing and it's like obviously if you go to like a startup i mean you're, you're doing everything you got to learn you got to be agile you got to figure thing, things out yeah. yeah um well look we're we're nearly at the end, end of time here where is the best place for people to come find you i know you know you mentioned you're you know potentially looking at bringing on um you know a recruiter to the team so like if someone's yes. interested in that you know, obviously, you know, people who are reaching out to Scott, like, don't, you know, expect, you know, just be respectful. Like, he's got a lot going on. But, like, how, how what's the best place for people to reach you? Like, LinkedIn, yeah. email, like, what do, what do you prefer? I, LinkedIn's um, pretty clean for me. I like LinkedIn. But, you know, if you want to drop me a line at Scott at GordianSoftware.com, uh, that's cool, too. Um, yeah, I am looking for a senior tech recruiter. But, um yeah, no, I'm just happy to be here and, you know, express different opinions. I, I like recruiting and I like trying to be helpful. Um, so, yeah, man, you, you brought a lot of value to, uh, you know, the conversation for the second time. And we kind of, I mean, the conversation has went different to how the first one went, which is, which is never a bad thing. But uh, guys, so what I would say is, you know, if you're interested in connecting and learning more about Scott, obviously just reach out um, and then just be patient as well. Like I tell anybody, if you're reaching out to somebody, just be patient and get a lot going on put a personal note on there too in the, in the invitation you can do that on linkedin um and yeah i would go back and even listen to this episode because i think there was just a lot that scott said in terms of his time at netflix but then also just things to think about within you know making that transition into tech recruiting as well so go back and listen to it um as a side note we uh i'll be announcing this hopefully uh next week but we did get a sponsor for the show as well which i'm super excited about which we'll have more news on um, and then going to be dropping all of these episodes on Spotify and iTunes as well. So you'll be able to listen back. Uh, but Scott, I appreciate your time again, man. Really, uh, really glad we we're able to make it happen. Yeah. Looks like we got a little more interaction than, uh, than last time. But uh, Aaron, Michael, uh, Added, Alec, David, Rob, Joel, Morgan, Rob, I think I said Rob already, LinkedIn user, change your profile settings. Ashley, if you guys have other questions, reach out. Appreciate all of the engagement on here. And again, Scott, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. You're welcome, man. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no worries. Let's uh, end this. That'll